0: What are you worth? What do you feel like you're worth? (laughs) Maybe that's the question. It's a tougher question. Every once in a while, you'll find someone who has no questions about their own worth. None. They're absolutely confident, absolutely sure of their value. But for most people, it can be real easy to feel inferior well, you know, my parents, they weren't anything special. Hey, I'm, I'm from nowhere, man. We, re, we don't really count. I'm too short. I'm too tall. Skinny. Fat. Dumb. My hair looks stupid. Things happen to me. I don't matter, okay? Are you happy? <laughs> it's easy to feel inferior. Even God doesn't really think a lot of us. Yeah, He cares about us, but not like He does them did you ever just desperately need someone to care especially for you? You've been beat down until you're flat on your face in the dirt. You need someone to be there for you. Someone who would plead to God for you. Someone to offer a prayer for you. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you. In a little while, Paul is going to go on and say, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Well, first, well, he stops in (laughs) mid-prayer. Mid-sentence, he just stops. For what seems like 20 sentences, he goes off on something else before he gets back to his prayer. Why, why would He do that? <laughs> well, of course, for a fact, He really wants them to hear the prayer He is about to pray for them, to help them realize how deeply felt His care for them is. He wants them to hear. And when you're beat down... <laughs> it's really hard to hear what someone standing up there in untouched joy, in the midst of privileged life, it's hard to hear what they say. From here, until he starts the prayer up again, two long paragraphs later, Paul seeks to lift their faces from the dirt into which they have been so mercilessly ground. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Well, of course they had heard. Paul lived with them. He spoke face to face with them. He worked with them. He suffered with them. He hurt with them. They knew this man. They'd been taught by him. Why would he say, assuming you've heard? Have you ever heard someone but not really heard them? Someone you love is gone. People are so kind. They grasp your hand so warmly. They might even hug you. They say wonderful, compassionate things. And 30 seconds later, you can't remember a word of what they said. Or maybe it's been a long time since you heard them. But the pain, the pain is fresh. You used to know what it was, they said. But now, now who can remember? So Paul tells them again what it was God graciously gave to him for them. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. By the Spirit. Mystery? Revelation? Okay, there's, there's something special here. God's taking the time to give some specific information to pass on. And it's for us, you say? Paul says, yeah. I have insight into the very mystery of Christ. Now don't look backwards. Nobody, no one has been so enlightened before these two new special companies of God's servants, apostles of Jesus Christ, the prophets He chose to guide the church at its dawn. Until now, no human being knew these things. Can you feel them? You near know, Their faces or in the dirt, tear stains on their cheeks. But now they're lifting their faces. Could there be hope? Could it be that we are more than nothing? More than second rate? A mystery given by revelation. What is this great mystery? The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Really? Us? This is great. But wait, Paul, didn't didn't you already say that? Yeah, he did. Last week, we covered all this. He said they are alien no more. They're not Jewish Christians. They're not Gentile Christians. They're just Christians. So we should have unity. That's what we discussed. And he just said this. So why why is he going over this again? Well, let's not forget where they are, who they are, and what is happening. They feel so downtrodden. Paul knew they still didn't really believe it. Not only had bad things happen to them, people, Jewish teachers, had come in and said, Come on, you can't really think you're as good as us. (laughs) And whether they meant to or not, they beat these people down. So the Ephesian Gentiles were pretty sure we're we're not as good as the Jews. The Jews have been believers all their lives. The Jews have a lifetime of Bible study behind them. The Jews' entire heritage is focused on God. And we, well, what are we compared to that? Have you ever felt like that as a Christian? <laughs> I know God loves me, but who's going to listen to a person that looks like me? I'm not important, you know, I'm, I'm just a janitor. I don't have much. I'm not very talented, I'm not very educated. With my family, you can't expect too much. It's a big world, and I'm just from a small town. We're a little church. Isn't it those big churches that God really uses? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The good news that is the story of Jesus, this gospel says, we too have a part in this promise. We are members of the same body. We have the same inheritance coming to us as anyone who ever believed. The Spirit Himself is our same guarantee. You almost see Paul on his knees before them, raising them up out of the dirt until they are eye to eye. And he fervently speaks of this good news, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power. Yes, God by His grace gave me the knowledge and He gave me the power to share it with you. Paul goes back to where he started this letter, his ministry. Why did he go to Ephesus in the first place? In Ephesus, where he was derided and beaten and jailed, but where he ministered to them, preaching this gospel, teaching them the good news, the gospel of Christ's love. How did he do this when he endured all that? (laughs) God gave him the knowledge, and he gave them the power to proclaim it, all because of His grace. I wonder if Paul mentions grace, God's grace a lot because of his background as a persecutor. (laughs) He understood his abilities and his mistakes, his sins. But neither define who he is. Grace defines the Apostle Paul. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Paul does not struggle with false pride. (laughs) Neither does he suffer from false modesty. His point is that human measurement means nothing. Paul is brilliant. Intellectually, the the man was a genius. Paul's an eminent Jewish scholar, trained by the very best. If anyone should understand, he should. But it wasn't always that way. At one time, Paul also persecuted the church, approving even the execution of believers. He is the least of the saints. You see, they kind of had this idea, this mindset, that Paul was the epitome of the privileged Jewish saint. The one with all the cards to play, right? But there is no such thing. There's no such thing as a privileged human being without any problems. They don't exist. Have we forgotten that even Jesus Christ was crucified? In fact, it was because He suffered that the Father glorified Him. You're suffering and and it's terrible. and You feel all alone. No one ever hurt like I hurt. Don't let Satan sell you that lie. Every human being who ever walked this planet has suffered. None is without scars. No matter how much they know, no matter what they do, every human being carries pain and feelings of inferiority in their heart. Every human being. But it is not mere human knowledge or actions by which Paul ministers to them. No, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things to the Gentiles. Not just to you few people in Ephesus who are feeling downtrodden. (laughs) No. God wants this message to reach everyone who ever wondered Everyone who ever struggled with their own value. And this preaching has two aspects to show the Gentiles what they would otherwise not have any way to know. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. We will never come to the end of these riches. Forever there will be more to discover of the riches of the love of Christ. This is the, can I get a hallelujah time. You know, this is a great bit of news. The second part of this particular teaching, everybody gets to know the plan. Everybody has to know the plan. <laughs> what he's saying, this great mystery. Did you notice to whom he attributed this plan of the mystery? The one who created everything, okay? Why did he use that designation? Because by everybody, Paul is specifically referencing the Jews. They understood the concept of the one creator, God. Technically, they are monotheistic, as are Christians. Well, and Muslims, but that's a whole other can of worms, and we won't open that today. (laughs) Today, Paul wants the Jewish believers, along with the Gentiles, to understand that this plan he is talking about was also created by God and they knew enough to know that they should not oppose the plan of God. we might stop to note that God had a job for Paul to do and he did it right what's our job? but, uh, but you just said Paul was like this super capable guy you know he could do the job you know who am I all right. Paul's abilities make it possible for him to do his job. From where did his abilities come? (laughs) From God, the creator of all things. God gave Paul all the abilities he needed to do his job. We have abilities. You have abilities given to you by God himself when he created you. On the one hand, the God who created the works for us to do also created us to do the works. Saying, oh, I just can't do this, God. Uh, that's really telling God He doesn't know what He's doing. Okay? Just to make sure you understand. God, you've got the wrong man for the job. <laughs> really? I'm not sure how that can be since I created a job and I created you for the job. Okay? Of course, the problem is finding out what the job God is that God has for us. That's that's difficult. And some people poke their noses into every job there is instead of focusing on the one that God has for them. And then others, they they just can't seem to get into any job. (laughs) So you have to figure out where you are. But either, either of those ways is wrong, and we do want to get it right, don't we? There is a positive side to this being created by God, specifically for the task He has created for us. The only eternal God is interested in us. It's true. What abilities did God give us? What passions did He place in our heart? What situations has He placed us in? What needs has He shown us that we can actually do something about? All right, back to Paul and our Ephesian believers. How can Paul lift them, not just out of the dirt, but onto their feet to praise their Creator God? Paul is to preach God's truth so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. Do you remember that Paul said Jesus in his human nature will have authority over every created being including angels and demons? Remember that? He also talked about how these very believers were once held under the sway of the chief ruler and authority of the demonic realm. And now he says, you, as the church, will show these superpowered spiritual beings what's what. You are. You, the church, are going to show the spiritual powers what is true. Peter talked about things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Angels can now learn of this multidimensional wisdom because of and through the church. Hello? Who's the church? You, laying there with your face in the dirt, you will teach angels. Angels. Wow! The church, not Israel, is this new humanity that will teach angelic beings all about redemption. And they want to know. They want to know. These angels want to know. They actually do. Angels will be queued up to ask who? That's right, baby. You and me. They're going to ask us about redemption. You are a part of the church and that alone means you are important. That's what Paul's saying to them. But there's even more. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Okay, we got to start with who's we here, <laughs> you know. Who's we? Is it that polite way to say I that Paul so often uses? Well, probably, yeah, because they don't exactly have boldness right now. (laughs) I mean, that's why he's writing the letter, right? He's saying, look, I have access to Jesus Christ. I can be confident because of my faith in Him. I, me, Paul, the former persecutor of the church, can boldly stand before God because of His grace. Stand up, Ephesian church. Stand before the face of God and cry out in praise to Him. Have confidence in His grace. That's what he's saying. The purpose of God realized in Jesus was the development of the new humanity, the church. Because of this, they did not have to be timid. Their faith was in Him. Because of that faith, they had access to the all-knowing all-powerful, eternal Creator God. Ephesian church, you were beat down. You felt so worthless. Do you not feel as good as the Jewish believers now? Hmm? Ephesian church, do you know you can do the job that God has given you? Living Hope church. (laughs) Do we have confidence in the grace of God? Do we know we can do the job that God has given us? Do we understand we have access to Jesus Christ? Do we know the love of Christ? Or are we still beat down? So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The Ephesian believers were new Christians. They didn't have the training that the Jews had, and they were scared. Paul was incarcerated, okay? And he's both Jewish and a Roman citizen by birth. He's a genius with a double doctorate, if you will. If Paul is suffering, what chance have they to avoid suffering? What does he mean when he says his suffering is their glory? Paul started this out by saying he was a prisoner on behalf of you Gentiles. Now he says he's suffering for them. How valuable was the Ephesian church to Paul? What do you think? See, he's willing to suffer for them, to be a prisoner for them. So maybe what he's saying with his actions is, do you see how much I care for you? And why is Paul able to do what he did? The grace of God. Right? I love you because Jesus Christ loves you through me. If you know my love for you, you will know the love of Christ for you. Uh, Wait a minute. (laughs) Let's go back to that suffering thing. If Paul is suffering, then might we not suffer too? Have we forgotten God's power and His grace? We We ought to have courage. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How badly do we want to be perfect and complete you know, in our faith? (laughs) In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." you want a faith more pure than the finest gold? Faith that will lead to our being praised and glorified and honored when Jesus returns? Well, not only that, Paul wrote to the Roman church, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope, knowledge of our eternal life, which we can see when the eyes of our hearts are enlightened, when we have hope. The hope that is a part of a good character, which is an outgrowth of enduring, which is only possible when we suffer. Suffering, like everything else in our lives, is designed by God to help us know the love of Christ. That's what it's there for. And then, of course, to use that suffering to do his work. We actually can. (laughs) And now Paul can resume his prayer for them for this reason. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The Father lifts us to our feet so that we can bow before Him. And we, is not just the Jews, not just the rich, good-looking, talented people, every family in heaven on earth and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I learned to approach Christ with boldness, and so can you. That's what Paul's saying. The power we have is not dependent on us, who we are, what we can do, where we are from, what we own. No, it is through the Holy Spirit living in us so that Christ lives in us. It is not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. That is God's concern. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. How do we comprehend the incomprehensible? If Christ does not dwell in us, we don't. One cannot know the love of Christ if He is not living within Him. But if He lives in us, we will be rooted and grounded in His love. We will comprehend the breadth and the length, the height and the depth of that love with all the saints those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles, the big churches and the little, new believers and the old timers. (laughs) Regardless of family background, looks, work, possessions, education, talents, every saint who lives now or clear back when Paul was writing will be able to comprehend and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There is knowledge and there is knowing. It's one thing to intellectually grasp a truth, but to live a truth, that is how you surpass knowledge. We were created by God to be loved by Him, to know the love of Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of God, is to be filled with His love, to be filled with His Spirit. When we know the love of Christ, God will fill us with His love. Our situation won't matter. Our education, our possessions, talents, it won't matter. Big church, little church, perfect family, or, well, other. Uh, God will fill the emptiness in our hearts. All the aches, for what we do not have. All the gaping wounds in our lives. This is where Paul finally points as he finishes his great prayer for those he so deeply loves. Now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory, in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Father, your care for us is, well, hard to understand because we know who we are and we can't imagine a perfect God loving us. Our imperfections glare out at us so thoroughly. We know who we are. We know that we sin. We know where our minds would go if You were not there holding us back. We know the trouble we would have. We know the trouble we would create. But You do love us. And You do pour Your grace out onto us. And You made us just like we're supposed to be. We weren't supposed to be first century Jews that that watched Jesus walk, or maybe even walked with Him. We weren't supposed to be even Ephesian Romans. We're exactly who You made us to be, exactly when You made us to be, and exactly for the task that You made for us. Help us to find the task and to do it. But we do love You. And the grace that You poured on us makes us bold to know we can come to You. And when we need anything, we can ask. And You will graciously treat us. And you will do what is best for us. And we can just lay our lives in Your hands. You are the gracious, loving God. Creator of all things. Thank You, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.